We are living through a new Cold War, Cold War II, if you will. And it's not just the proxy conflict in Ukraine, but also the economic war that the West is waging against Russia. Today, Russia is one of the most heavily sanctioned countries on Earth. And in 2022, in response to the war in Ukraine, the European Union pledged to boycott Russian energy. At the beginning of 2023, the European Union's boycott went into effect and the EU has pledged not to buy any oil from Russia that's above the price cap of $60 per barrel. However, what we've seen in the first few months of 2023 is that Russia has continued selling its oil. And instead of Europe buying that oil from Russia, Europe is instead buying Russian oil indirectly through India. And Europe is actually paying even more money for that Russian oil. Bloomberg published a report titled Russian Oil Still Powering Europe's Cars with the Help of India. Bloomberg noted that India is now importing record levels of Russian crude oil, and then India is refining that crude oil into fuels that can be used in vehicles like diesel, for instance. And then India is exporting that refined fuel to Europe at a markup. So Russia is losing oil revenue. Europe is paying more for its oil than even before. And India is making a profit. In fact, according to this report in Bloomberg, India is on the verge of replacing Saudi Arabia as the largest supplier of refined fuel to Europe. And there's a graph that shows that India is importing more and more crude oil from Russia. The pink block on the graph represents the increasing amount of refined fuel that Europe is importing from India. And the blue block on the graph is imports from Saudi Arabia. And the report notes that Europe's refined fuel imports from India are set to surge above 360,000 barrels a day, edging just ahead those of Saudi Arabia. Bloomberg also acknowledged that this is a double-edged sword for the EU because what actually is happening is it's boosting demand for Russian oil and it's increasing the cost of freight shipments. Meanwhile, Russia has drastically increased its oil exports to India, which are now expected to be over 2 million barrels per day. And today, as of April, India is importing 44% of its oil from Russia. So what are the main takeaways from this? Well, Europe was trying to cut off Russia's oil revenue through the sanctions, but instead Russia is continuing to export its oil simply to other markets, primarily India and China. So Russia is further integrating economically with Asia, whereas Europe is also losing out because Europe is paying even more than it was before. And the oil is still coming from Russia, except it's going through the middleman of India. So India benefits economically from it. Russia is losing a little oil revenue and Europe and especially average Europeans, the European working class are the biggest losers of all because there's a cost of living crisis and real wages are declining in Europe and the standard of living is dropping. So this has led some people to say that the European Union is essentially sanctioning itself or at least sanctioning its own working people. 
Now, that said, it is true that Russia has lost a little oil revenue from these Western sanctions, although we shouldn't exaggerate the impact. The Kiev School of Economics in Ukraine published a report this April that looks at the impact of the Western sanctions on Russia's oil exports. And this is a study that it's backed by the so-called Yermak McFall International Working Group on Russian Sanctions, which is backed by the Ukrainian government and the U.S. government. McFall is a reference to Michael McFall, who's the former U.S. ambassador to Russia. And there are a few graphs in here that show the impact of the Western sanctions. So again, it is having an impact, but we shouldn't exaggerate. What this study essentially shows is that Russia is back at making about the same revenue that it made in 2021. So before this new escalation of the war in Ukraine. Now, there are a lot of Western government officials taking victory laps and saying, ha ha, our sanctions are working and Russian oil revenues are decreasing. But we should keep in mind that Russian oil revenues drastically increased last year with the massive increase in the price of oil on the global market. So in 2021, in the first quarter of the year, Russia made $34 billion from its oil exports. And as of the same time period in 2023, it made $39 billion. So Russia today, at least in the first quarter of 2023, is making more from its oil revenue than it did two years ago in the same time period. And in the second quarter of 2021, Russia made $45 billion from its oil exports. So essentially, Russia is back at the level it was before the beginning of its military operation in Ukraine. So again, the sanctions are having an impact, but it's not like it's destroying Russia's oil exports. They're simply back to the, where they were before 2022. And a big part of this is simply because the price of oil has gone down and also because to some of its customers like India, for instance, Russia is selling its oil at a heavy discount because another graph in this report from this Ukrainian backed group shows that the volume of Russian oil exports has not really changed. It's been pretty stable despite the Western sanctions and the EU embargo on Russian crude oil. So it's not it's not the amount of oil that has significantly changed. It's the revenue that is how much Russia is selling that oil for. The Financial Times published an article about this study that provides further insight into the shift that we're seeing. It notes that Russia has redirected most of its oil exports to India and China. However, while Russian revenue from crude dropped significantly, there was little change in Russia's sale of crude. And they look at the different benchmarks of oil. And there are several different benchmarks that are used because, you know, when you buy oil, not all of the blends of oil are exactly the same. So Russia tends to sell oil with two different benchmarks, the Urals and the Espo benchmarks, as opposed to the Western, that is European dominated Brent benchmark and there's also the west texas benchmark and you can see from a graph that the western sanctions have caused the russian euros oil benchmark to drop significantly and to go below the g7 price cap of 60 dollars per barrel however russia is also selling its espo 
benchmark oil, and that's above the G7 price cap. So the Financial Times explained that India absorbed most of the exports from Russia's northwestern port of Primorsk, and that had previously exported Russian oil to Europe, and instead it's now exporting that Russian oil to India, and India is paying $44 per barrel. So for India, this agreement is very advantageous. And there's another very interesting graph that shows the shift of Russia's oil exports markets away from Europe and toward Asia, specifically China, India, and to a lesser extent, Turkey. And if we go back to the Kiev School of Economics report, we can see another graph that shows incredibly the, the massive shift of Russia's energy partners. And the blue blocks on the graph showed the Russian oil exports that had gone to the West previously, primarily to the European Union. And that has tapered off and is, is approaching zero. And instead, what we've seen is a significant increase in Russian oil exports to China and India in particular, which are green and yellow on the graph, and now represent the vast majority of the oil imports from Russia. There's also a pie chart which represents how Russia economically is integrating with Asia. And Russia's economic relationship, at least in terms of energy exports, with Europe has ended. So this is part of the process of Eurasian integration that we're seeing, or really what we're seeing is Asian integration because Europe has kicked Russia out of Europe. Now, I mentioned that the Western sanctions on Russia and Europe's boycott of Russian energy has been doing significant economic damage at home, particularly to working class Europeans. And the Financial Times has a report on this titled Inflation's Legacy Hits European Households Even As Price Growth Ebbs. And it, it discusses how inflation, that is consumer price index inflation that average working people feel the most, is declining and getting back to normal rates. However, prices are not going down and real wages are declining. So people in Europe are feeling more and more desperation and they're living in worse and worse circumstances while corporations, by the way, are making record profits. So I'm just going to read a few quotes from this report. It notes that households across Europe are facing a persistent pinch from one of the worst cost of living crises since the Second World War, despite inflation falling almost as quickly as it rose. Even by late 2024, real incomes in Europe will not have regained the levels they reached before the, the increase in inflation. Real incomes in Europe fell by 6.5% between 2020 and 2022, largely due to a surge in energy and food costs. So again, this is a direct result of the Western sanctions on Russia. Russia not only was the largest provider of energy to Europe, it's also a significant exporter of wheat and fertilizer. So the Western sanctions on Russia over the proxy war in Ukraine was a significant factor in influencing the inflation we've seen in energy and food prices. Although, again, we shouldn't downplay the role of corporations. In fact, there's a concept that's becoming popular in economic circles referred to as greedflation that looks at how corporations are intentionally price gouging and 
how that's a significant factor in the increase in consumer price index inflation. I'm going to come back to that thought in a few minutes here. But this report from the Financial Times notes that real wages in Europe will remain 6% below 2020 levels by the end of 2024. It quotes a financial analyst who says, although inflation rates look set to ease, prices are not coming down. The squeeze in households' budgets and cost of living pressures could continue to be a notable headwind. And there's a graph that shows the decline in real wages of European workers. Now, for people who don't know, Real wages are the wages of workers adjusted for inflation. So the nominal wages, that is the wages in euros, are technically increasing. So if you look at, for instance, when you measure someone's wages in dollars or euros, you can say, oh, well, your money, you're getting paid more. However, if, you're, if inflation is increasing faster than your wages, then your real wages are decreasing. And we see a marked decrease in the real wages of European workers, and they're going to continue to decline in throughout 2024, according to this report from the Financial Times. The article points out that unions in Germany and France are going on strikes to protest the cost of living crisis. It quotes a, an official from the European Trade Union Confederation who says that pay raises are still needed to restore the lost purchasing power especially in companies which are making record profits. That's a point I'm going to come back to. The Financial Times points out that poorer people in Europe who spend a bigger chunk of their income on essentials have been most exposed to the rise in prices. So while European corporations are making record profits, while wages are declining, real wages, the poor are suffering the most of all. And not just the poor, but specifically the poorer countries so in the south of the European Union, countries like Greece and Spain and Italy have been very hard hit. In fact, the real wages of workers in Greece have declined by nearly 7%. The real wages of workers in Spain have de declined by about 4.5%. And in Italy, the real wages of workers have declined by about 3%. But also in Britain, Germany, and Canada, by the way, and Australia and South Korea and the US, Poland and Japan. So across the West, real wages are declining. And in the case of Britain, an, a huge factor for this, again, is energy. There's another graph from the Financial Times that looks at average weekly earnings of British workers and then inflation in energy prices. And we've seen a massive increase in energy prices that is significantly higher than the increase in average weekly earnings in Britain. So once again, Britain is sanctioning itself with these policies against Russia. Yes, Russia is losing a little oil revenue, but European workers are suffering and India is benefiting. In fact, there's an incredible detail in this Financial Times report. What we're seeing with the decline of wages in Britain is the steepest decline in, in British workers' real wages and their real disposable incomes since the records began in the 1950s. I want to repeat that. The decline in real disposable incomes of British workers is at the highest levels since records began in the 1950s. And we've also seen an increase in hunger. 
This article quotes the executive director of a nonprofit in Britain called the Food Foundation, which who, who warns, quote, the persistent increase in food prices month after month is having a devastating impact on people's ability to feed themselves and their families. And this is despite the fact that consumer price index inflation is actually declining all across the West. And like I said, it's not a coincidence that at the same time, corporate profits are at a record high. The Economic Policy Institute published a report titled Corporate Profits Have Contributed Disproportionately to Inflation. Even The Guardian, the establishment British newspaper, published a report titled Global Greedflation, Big Firms Are Driving Shopping Bills to Record Highs. Bloomberg likewise reported that corporate profits in the United States drastically increased in 2022, with the margins at the widest seen since the 1950s. So real wages and disposable income in Europe are declining at the fastest rate since the 1950s, and corporate profits are at the highest rate since the 1950s. It's not a coincidence. Those things are inversely proportional. That said, I'm not going to spend too much time looking into that because that will be the subject of a separate video and podcast. I've already spent enough time on this topic today. I wanted to just simply drive home the point that the Western sanctions on Russia are really heavily backfiring on workers in Europe and to a lesser extent in the United States and Canada, but they're also suffering. So the West is really sanctioning itself. And yes, it is doing a little economic damage to Russia, but it, again, Russia's oil export revenue is at the same level now as it was in 2021, before the Western sanctions. What this is actually doing, in addition to hurting European workers, is it is accelerating the process of economic and political integration of Russia with Asia, and it's also accelerating Europe's dependence on the United States. So. French President Macron claims that he wants Europe to have strategic autonomy and to be independent of the U.S. in a new multipolar world. And yet, economically, Europe is sabotaging all of the sources of energy and other resources that it would need to truly be independent of the United States. And the U.S. has become one of the world's largest producers of oil and gas in the top three, along with Russia and Saudi Arabia. So, I mean... The U.S. doesn't need to import energy. It's Europe that needs to import energy. And Europe has cut off its most important energy partner. And yet it's still buying energy from Russia just through India. I mean, it's a ridiculous policy. And it would be funny if it weren't for the very real human cost, as we've seen with the decline in living standards and the rise in poverty, inequality and hunger in Europe. With that said, I'm going to conclude here. I'm Ben Norton, the editor of Geopolitical Economy Report. And if you want to support the work that we do here, you can go to geopoliticaleconomy.com support and you can donate in several ways. Or you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy. We rely entirely on small donations from viewers and listeners. We have no big institutional support or donors. So I want to thank everyone for watching or listening. Please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening or watching on. And I'll see you all next time.